What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I don't have any funny, humorous voice worked up for today, but I'm giving my intro. So if it's your first time listening, thank you. Go back and check out my old episodes. I'm just a regular dude living a regular life with a lot of thoughts and opinions, and I come on here to spew them, basically. So just sit back, relax your jaw muscles, open your ear muscles, and get ready for some opinion dumping. You may not agree with it. You may not like it. You may hate me. You may think I'm the biggest piece of crap on the face of the earth. You know what? That's fine. I probably don't care too much. But if you come back and listen again, I'll feel like I did my job. I say job, but I'm not getting paid for this. So sit down, shut up, and let me do the thinking and talking for the next 30 or so minutes. Deal? Deal. Forgive me for my wrongs. I have just begun. Ain't no mercy. Ain't no mercy. Boy, 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 man, I don't know what I was thinking committing to doing three podcasts per week. If you hadn't figured it out by now, it ain't going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen unless something drastically changes. I figured it out and it's like three episodes per week. All in all, it's about nine hours for me. And squeezing nine hours out of my life, it ain't going to happen. It's just not. So let's stop pretending. Let's stop kidding each other. I don't know whose idea it was anyway that I was going to do three per week. You know, when you're sitting in a cabin in Tennessee and you have nothing to do for two weeks, you're like, oh, yeah, I can do three of these per week easy. I'm doing one a day here. Then you get back to the real world and you're like, oh, yeah. There's all that other stuff, too. You know, maybe one day I can get paid for voicing my opinion. Probably won't happen at a brewery, but man, how great would that be? Will people pay you money just to hear what you think? I'm sure (laughs) people would probably pay me money to shut up, and you can do that, too. If you want to pay me money to not podcast, let me know. I'll send you my address. It's a funny story. I was actually at a restaurant one time. We were dove hunting in South Texas. And there's these little cafes, you know, all through Texas, especially South Texas, but little cafes, just little greasy spoon places that guys are sitting in the corner smoking cigarettes and, you know, they got the best chicken fried steak you can think of. But it was, it was nighttime. We'd been hunting all day. We were all sunburned. Most people were a little bit buzzed. We're sitting in the restaurant and there's this dude walking around, old guy that had a guitar. And he would go to tables and try to play songs for tips. And the only only song he played was Puff the Magic Dragon. And he played it over and over to every single table. And finally, this dude got up, hands the guy, it was either $50 or $100 bill. He goes, here, here's some money. Stop playing that stupid song. We're tired of hearing it. And he was like, that's the only song I know. And he said, well, go to the next restaurant, man. We're sick and tired of it. I I don't remember what happened after that. I think miraculously he broke out some other songs. But yeah, Puff the Magic Dragon, Live by the Sea on repeat. (laughs) It's hilarious. Man, I've got something that I'm excited about. And it's it's funny because, 
you know, I was knocking sports an episode or two ago, making fun of these players that are thugs that get paid millions of dollars that can't figure out how to drive around without 150 pounds of weed in their trunk. So I get it. You know what? Sometimes I'm going to contradict myself. A sporting event is about to take place that is going to take me back to my childhood. It's going to take me back to about 1995. Back, remember when heavyweight boxing was a thing long before MMA? And for the record, I still appreciate boxing more than MMA. I just don't like, I don't like watching dudes rolling around on each other in like little tiny shorts with gloves on. And, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll just be all hugged up without even striking. I'd rather see, I appreciate the art of boxing and how many different styles there are. And I know, I know you're out there saying it's the same thing about MMA. Everyone has their own style. I get it, but I just don't care for it. So. It's my personal preference. I can have it. We can disagree, still be friends. I prefer boxing. And it fell off. I get it. MMA came out. Everyone likes MMA better because there's a little bit of blood and there's some kicking, whatever. I get it. I just prefer boxing. But ever since MMA came out, boxing's just been going downhill. You know, it's, uh, it doesn't draw as much money. It doesn't bring as many crowds. It can't get the best fighters. So now people that used to be in boxing are doing MMA, and it's shifting. That's fine. The market dictates what sports do. However, coming up, I think in the next month or two or three, I don't know about the date, Mike Tyson is fighting Roy Jones Jr., both of which were my childhood boxing heroes. First Tyson, he came around first. He was a super heavyweight, I believe. And then Roy Jones Jr. came in as a heavyweight. And I think he may have fought up a couple times in in a heavier class. But they were both pounders, man. They could stick it to you. They could move. They could punch hard. They could take a lick. I mean, I hope this is a good fight. I really hope it's not just a a money grab and they take it easy on each other for 12 rounds and then there's a split decision. Like, I hope they go at it because this really, it would be like a childhood dream of mine. Like, if you told me this in 1995, like, hey, 25 years from now, these two guys are going to fight each other. I would have been like, no way. And then I would have been anxiously awaiting for 25 years. So it's probably a good thing I didn't know they were going to fight because I would have been on the edge of my seat the whole time. But I'm excited. And after the fight, I'll come back and give my opinion of it. (laughs) Imagine that. Speaking of childhood fights, I think it's funny. Not funny. Kind of funny. I think it's interesting how currently the the way that the general consensus of China views us and the way that we view China. And let me set the record straight. I don't have some big fancy study with all kinds of cited materials and sources and blah, 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 blah. I'm just going off what I've seen, what I've heard, how I see people act, how I see people react. It's very anecdotal. This is mostly my opinion. I don't care to read your articles about what I'm about to say. As of late, I feel like a lot of the U.S. is like, don't be mean to China. We have to still go support Chinese food restaurants, even though they brought COVID here, which is something that I think one of the Fab Four, whatever they call themselves, the squad, you know, I don't know. One of those jokers that, you know, that they go from Starbucks to to politics. Yeah. um, They were like, don't be mean to Chinese people that live here in the U.S. I'm thinking. Really? Are we really going to be mean to Chinese people here in the U.S.? 
No, we're not. Here's how I know. Because everyone says, don't be mean to the Chinese people. They're fine. They're our friends. Meanwhile, in China, you know what they're saying? China number one. China number one. China number one. U.S. die. U.S. die. They talk shit about us. They want to win at all costs. They want to be number one. And I get it. There's propaganda out there. I get it. The head of the political parties have an advantage to make us believe that China's out to get us because I think that they're going to go to trade war with China. And so there's an incentive for us to kind of turn on China. And part of it may be the displaying of propaganda of the Chinese people saying that they they don't like us. But where I've acquired this is from my cousins, Jordan and Harry, who play video games. And they play video games with people from China who live in China. And they are Chinese. And I've heard audio clips of this. These Chinese kids get on there. And they talk smack the whole time, which is part of playing video games. But they're always saying China number one, China number one, China number one. Anyone that I've ever talked to who does business with China, they say that Chinese people are ruthless in their negotiations. And it's like they they want to win at all costs. I truly believe that's part of their culture. I truly believe that they are in it for their country. Number one, China, number one. And I think it's odd that we're told to be sweet to China by, by some of these people that may not understand how the Chinese really are. It doesn't mean we should go out and be mean to the Chinese. It just means that like, it's, it's okay to have an opponent. Like we're, we're, we're not living in a world where like enemies and opponents are a bad word. Like you can't be, you, you just, you can't be against them. You can't be against anyone. And I understand that we have a need for the Chinese. We can't, we can't just sever our ties with the Chinese. That's unrealistic. It's, it shouldn't happen. If, it, if that happened, we, our lifestyles would change for the worse. So we have to maintain that. We can get ourselves into a position or have an understanding like, you know what? If they're going to play hardball, we should play hardball too. We should not go down this road of like, the Chinese people are friendly. They brought us General South's chicken. Like, No. If we're going to negotiate with them, let's win. It doesn't matter what happens to them. Like, we're negotiating. If they don't like the deal, they walk away from the table. Otherwise, we just keep pushing. I know people think that's ruthless. I know people that, you know, work for the government, they probably don't understand that. They don't get hardcore negotiations. They don't get winning at all costs. And listen, I'm not that guy. I'm not a good negotiator because I care too much about the guy sitting across the table. But I do appreciate someone negotiating on my behalf that maybe is in it for us. And that's part of the reason why my tune about Trump changed. I went from, I'm not voting for the guy. I didn't vote for the guy. I can't stand the guy. He's an arrogant prick. I want nothing to do with him to, you know what? I think he's the right guy for the right job right now. As many flaws as he has, as annoying as he is, I just think that he's, he plays hardball. And when you're going against the Chinese, you need someone who can play hardball. But my whole point is that it's like we're, we're told today we can't have enemies. We, we have to be, everyone has to be friends with everyone. And I use this example in dog training a lot. If someone has a dog and the dog, they're like, you know, he just doesn't like certain dogs. You know, certain dogs come around and they sniff, sniff, sniff. And then all of a sudden they just, he just jumps on them. Well, there's always more to it, but let's just say there's not. Now, dogs don't have a way of like communicating certain nuances that we do, but they do have a very, very subtle way of saying, this is cool. This is not cool. Don't do this. I do this. You do that. Let's see what happens. So even though we can't see what the conversation that's taking place between them, 
they're communicating things to one another. And most dogs are fair. Some dogs are unfair. And most people can't even tell the difference. But uh, most dogs are fair, which means like a dog approaches them and th- they give a sign. They tell them something with their body. They move a certain way. They hold their tail a certain way. The eye contact, the way they look out of the sides of their eyes versus head on, the way they sniff their nose or their butt, all that means something. And I compare it to people. Like when I'm explaining this to someone, I tell them like, you know, we don't have to like all the people we come in contact with. Dogs are the same way. We can't expect them to go to the dog park, which is an absolute train wreck to begin with, the idea that we created this stupid place. But they want to be able to take their dogs to the dog park in their little harnesses, and they want all the dogs just to play and share and be with each other and have fun. But that's not in their nature. That is not, that is not what dogs are. And, and there's innate traits that humans have too that's just part of us. And like the desire to win, competition. I mean, it's, it's perfectly okay to have an arch rival. We love it. We love it in football. You know, we love to, to cheer against the other team. But when it comes to real life, I feel like it's kind of going away or there's a large group of people who are speaking out against it. It's kind of like bullying, you know, like, you know what? I don't have a problem with bullying. I will never teach my child to bully if I have one, but I don't think we should tell people to stop. Because a kid who knows how to deal with a bully, he, he's going to have bullies the rest of his life. He's going to have to deal with that, with people being jerks to him, and how to pragmatically get through those situations, whether it's punch the guy in the jaw or turn and walk away and go tell the teacher. Like, how is he going to know how to handle that situation if he's never been? Okay. Anyway, you get the idea. So doing the things like making sure that nobody bullies and everyone treats each other super kind and... And that no one goes to the negotiating table with their own best interest at heart. I really do think that can end up hurting us on the global stage. That's just my opinion. And you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just advertising that I'm seeing, but I kind of feel like the pendulum may start to swing the other way. There may be a group of people who speaks out and says, you know what? Sometimes violence is the answer. Sometimes you got to hit someone in the jaw. And it sucks, but that's how you deal with bullies. It's like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I agree with that. You know, on my Instagram feed, I'm starting to see these clothing lines, these apparel companies that are like, you know, lion, not sheep. You know, sometimes violence is the answer, which, you don't know, these guys look like the, the Ed Hardy guys, the, you know, the douchey guys that wore like the designer jeans with the curly cues on the back pockets and Ed Hardy $90 t-shirts and the knockout MMA brand. Like, I don't know, these, these ads kind of seem like that, but, but the message is, you know, don't, don't just turn a cheek. That's not always the right answer. And I'm kind of for that, especially when I see cops at a protest that are having to deal with some 19 year old punk jamming his finger in the cop's face. The same guy whose parents' tax dollars pay for the cop to deal with punks like their kids. Speaking of kids, I have a question. I Google searched the internet and I couldn't find it. The question is this. What year did people think it was the year before Jesus was born? Because, well, obviously they didn't know he was about to be born. So they must have had their own calendar system 
Oh, we have telling time. And it wasn't BC or AD because they didn't know he was coming. So there was a year there. And then when did it change? When did, when did it go from the old way to the new way, BC and AD? And like, was it while Jesus was alive and walking around? Or was it after he was gone and they made it retroactive to go back to when he was born? Or did they know right away when he was born to a virgin, like, <laughs> hey, uh, this dude about to do some crazy stuff. So we're going to go ahead and just change the whole calendar around him right now. Just so everybody know, this is how we're going to do it. This is the dude right here. He can't walk yet, but one day this little dude going to turn water into wine. Just a question I had. Just a random question that I hope one of you faithful listeners can provide the answer to. And I will give that answer on one of the future podcasts. Man, I am so excited about our kitchen boss at New Aces Brewing Company. In order to skirt a system that allows us to be open, we had to establish a full kitchen and a full kitchen menu. It was never a part of our business plan. It was never our intentions. We never really wanted to do it, but we had to do it because apparently if you serve food and alcohol, no one can get the COVID. So you can be open at 50%, but if you don't serve food, sorry, you got to be closed down because, well they'll get the COVID. If there's no food around, uh, duh, obviously they're going to get the COVID. So we now cook and sell barbecue. I feel like it's the best barbecue in town, but we hired a kitchen manager, not really a cook because it's all barbecue. So we kind of cook it on the pit outside, but we hired this kitchen ninja and I'm telling you, she is a real life ninja. You know, when me or any of the other guys worked in the kitchen, it's like we're scrambling around looking for stuff, grabbing this, throwing that. Everything is run, 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 run. You know, that's how you think a kitchen is, right? Not the kitchen ninja. She's about 5'3", maybe 5'2". Hispanic. She long wears the long t-shirts. The pants be sagging, you know. There's only about, really only about a foot and a half between the floor and the bottom of the t-shirt. Because she's only 5'2", 5'3". Jeans kind of bunched up down there at the bottom where the ankles are. White shoes, man. I don't know how she keeps her shoes so white. I always ask her, say, man, how do you keep your shoes so white? And she's just like, I don't know. I just clean them. <laughs> but the most amazing thing about the Kitchen Ninja is that when you when you watch her walk, you're like, it's like slow motion. And then even in the kitchen with her, you're like, I, I turn around, I look at her. She's got like a whole onion on a cutting board and like the... <laughs> The prep table, the prep table is only about eight inches below her chin, and she's got her elbows all hopped up high. And I look back there, and she's getting ready to cut an onion. And then uh, I look away for a second, I look back, and the whole onion is diced up, chopped into teeny tiny little pieces, and the peel's gone, and the knife's clean, and it's in a little cup. And I'm like, I just, I just looked away for a second, I look back, and the onion's chopped, and everything's put away. Or, or I'll walk past her, and she's like checking out her phone. You know, she talks on the phone to her girlfriend a lot because she's in there all day by herself. So I don't care what she does as long as the orders are coming out and they're right. It doesn't matter. But she talks on the phone while she's doing her chores and cleaning the floor and, and everything. And that's cool. But so I'll walk past her. She'll just be talking. Yeah, da, 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 talking to her friend, girlfriend like this, you know, real soft, quiet, kind of sweet, but not too silly. And then I'll walk by two minutes later 
and like the entire floor is mops. Everything is Windexed. It's sparkling clean. And she never moves faster than slow motion. It is incredible. And I thought, I was like, I got to come on the podcast and talk about the Kitchen Ninja because I don't know how she does it. I've been there by myself. She handled the, the busiest day we ever had selling barbecue. The most sales we ever had in one day. I mean, I think we saw, we went through like six briskets, one pulled pork, six racks of ribs, 10 pounds of sausage. And, and she did the entire day by herself, not one person in there helping her. And then she like the, later on that night, she's like, thank you. I love my job. <laughs> I'm like, Rocky, you will be here as long as this place is standing. I don't know how she does it, but man, she does it. And it just goes to show you, like, once again, you can't be judging books by their covers, you know? He who moves the slowest may move the best. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It's how efficient you are. And we almost ran her off, man. She missed the first day of work. That she was late. And I think she was really torn whether or not she was going to make it or she wanted to be there. You know, here she is, the only kitchen person. These five big, loud, bearded, sweaty dudes that are just cutting up all day. And she's probably thinking like, do I really want to work here? These guys, they just kind of play all day. So she missed a day here and there. She missed another day. Then she was late. She wanted to go home early. Then she got put in the hospital. She got in a fight with a dude, got knocked out. And and then I was just like, everyone was telling me to fire her. Like, fire her. Get her out of there. Let her go. We need someone else. There was just something about her. I was not willing to let the ninja go. And I didn't. And we still have the ninja and everything's great. And so I kind of picture myself telling stories about her in the future so i wanted to lay the groundwork about the kitchen ninja kind of like i did with ronnie you know he was kind of a character in my life and yeah i appreciate these people and how they intertwine with my life and i like to share it so be on the lookout for chronicles from a kitchen ninja and you know the, the the sad part about this whole kitchen thing is is that we're having to circumvent a system just to help keep our business from dying. And I feel like if everyone thought that the system was right, the way that they're managing this whole thing, deciding how COVID is handled in terms of which businesses can open, I feel like if the the public opinion took it seriously, they would be up in arms screaming about us being open. But they're not because everyone realizes how ridiculous it is that bars have to be closed and restaurants can be open. I understand the reasoning. I understand why they did it. It was a bad decision. They should not have done it that way. They should treat bars and restaurants the same because you can go to Chili's and you can sit at the bar and it feels like a bar. It looks like a bar. They're still social distancing. They still got their masks on. They're following all the rules. So if you can do it at Chili's, why can't you do it at the little local pub down the road who's got the same owner that it's had for 40 years, and now they're getting ready to go under. What, what's the difference? What's the difference between Chili's and the Keg Room, which is a little bar that we service here in town, that they don't buy a lot of beer from us at all, not much at all. But, man, I like going there because the people who are there, the people who work there, this, it's like they're home. Like They spend more time there at home, and that's worth something. Here's the difference. The difference is the Keg Room and those little bars – There's no big corporate person pounding at the governor's door, telling him what to do. There's no big threat of not funding his next campaign. I mean, imagine if you try to tell Chili's they had to close down or Chick-fil-A. 
Could you imagine? No, they would be up there in Washington, D.C., at the governor's office in Austin, raising hell, and they would, it would change. But here, they know that they can shut down the bar industry because there's no chain bar. There's no power. There's no lobby. All, most bars are just mom-and-pop places. And I think that's crappy. I think it's crappy on the part of the government. But what's encouraging to me is that the people are not raising hell when guys like us start circumventing systems to get open. Because the general public can see that that's bad policy. And I like the fact that people will acknowledge that it's okay to circumvent bad policy. Probably not the right thing to do. I don't know. Maybe better to respect all the laws of the land. But when you don't trust the people making the laws, you got to defy them. You have no other choice. Well, you can go out of business. And I'm, and I'm not, we're not, technically, we're not defying anything. But now, you know, you've got breweries who are selling plastic cups, disposable plastic cups for $4. But the beer that goes inside them is $1. And the reason for that is so that they can show that more than 50% of their revenues come from selling something other than alcohol. So they're selling a plastic disposable cup for $4. They're selling the beer for $1. And then now they can do that. They can, they can reopen and do that. Now, some bars aren't. They're scared. They don't want to do it. But the Cowboys are doing it, and it's just a shame. It's a shame that it's come that far, that we're being that stupid about things, that we're having to circumvent systems. And, you know, we tried to follow the path. We, we tried to follow the process, to speak out, to write your congressman, to write your representative. Yeah, we tried that for six weeks. We got no response. We got nothing. We got nothing from the governor. We got no reasoning. We got no timing. We got no metrics. We got nothing. So you know what? Time to circumvent systems, boys. We're going to look for loopholes. We're going to find them, and we're going to keep going. America. This is America. And speaking of America, Hyden Joe Biden has announced his running mate. Dun, dun, dun. Kamala Harris, a professional district attorney. I have a lot of opinions about this situation. Luckily, I think they stand absolutely no chance in winning. So I'm not technically worried. I am worried that it's come this far. I'm worried about a few things I'm going to go into here in a second. And the thought of her being one heartbeat away from the presidency, one heartbeat from a president who's like 78 years old, is pretty terrifying. The first issue I have is that if you remember, I don't know, six, eight months ago, maybe 10 months a year, I can't remember. It was either a debate or an interview with Biden. And they asked him, will you select a woman running mate? And he said yes. And then it came up whether or not it will be a minority. So we all knew it was going to be a person of color and it was going to be a woman. How in the world does anybody think this is okay? I mean, seriously, not, not that they, he selected a person of color, but the fact that he said that that's what he was going to pick before he picked it. So, I mean, what? You're going you're gonna to limit your pool of selection to... Okay, so let's just take women. That's 50%. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to discount the other half of the population. Remember, we're trying to pick the person who would run the entire country if something happened to the president. We should want the best of the best of the best of the best of the elite of the best. That's who should be in the running. So we, now we scratch out half the population or the, the selection pool. Now we're going to say, well, not only is it going to be a woman, that's 50%. It's going to be a person of color. It takes it down even more. So now we have a minuscule amount of people to choose from. 
And you're telling me that that's more important. Like selecting a, a woman person of color just to have them in that position is worth more than having someone who's most fit for the job. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone can tell me that it's a wise decision to select the leader of the country based on their skin color, based on what's between their legs. Like we just, we need that. Like that's more important. It's more important to put someone in that role who may not be as fit, who probably isn't as fit simply because of the numbers. We have 330 million people to pick from and narrowing it that much is just ridiculous. It just goes back to what I've always thought. Like these people aren't here to change the country. They're not here to change laws. They're here to get elected, to stay in power, to do deals, to get paid because they couldn't do it. They could not make it in the free market, especially Democrats. Democrats are they're professional government employees. Look at it. Look at the history. Kamala Harris has never worked for anyone but the government. She started out as like an assistant DA. Then she was a DA. Then she got moved up to attorney general. Then it's just like she's never been at risk. She's never had to make a business plan and, and, and put her nuts in the chopping block. Well, I mean, obviously she doesn't have nuts, but she's never had to put her neck on the chopping block. Does that mean she's not fit to be president? No, not at all. But most of this country is run by small businesses. And, and, and maybe it is good to have an attorney, a professional attorney. I just don't think it's a good thing to limit your selection pool by such a vast amount in order to satisfy the opinion of some people. I mean, could you imagine if, if Trump was like, well, I'm going to select a, I will select a running mate. Uh, it will definitely be a white male. I'm not going to choose anything but a white male. I mean, that is so tasteless. And why do we need, like, why do we have to have fair representation of everyone? Because what, what is a, is a white male not capable of making policy that can also benefit people of color? They just don't know. They've, they've just never walked in those shoes. So you're not capable of looking at certain classes of people. Oh, not even that. We're not talking about classes. We're talking about skin color. So you're not capable of, of looking at certain people of skin color and making laws that benefit them. Well, yeah, because we shouldn't be making laws based on skin color. We shouldn't be creating advantages or disadvantages for anyone based on the color of skin. So why in the world would we think that someone needs to be in a position to make decisions on behalf of people? We, we, we think that they're not capable of making that decision? Oh, we, we, we don't, we've had enough old white males. Really? We've had enough old white males? Hey, newsflash. You know who Kamala Harris is married to? Yeah, an old white male. She doesn't hate him that much. She does not hate them that much. Let's not forget that this same person who willingly stepped onto the ticket with Joe Biden accused him of being racist. She, in one of their debates about a year ago, she blatantly called him a racist. You know, I don't get it. I don't understand these people. You know what else she did? She said that she believes all of the accusers, all of the women that came out and accused Joe Biden of getting real sniffy with their hair and putting his hand up their dress. You remember that? Probably not because most people don't talk about it. But some people came out and they said, this is what he did to me. And she supported them. She said, I'm with them. They're brave for speaking out. I support them. And what they say, I believe to be true. Okay. That's all on record. That's on record. So now, Kamala... Are you saying that you lied back then or you're lying now? Well, which is true because I don't know about most people. 
there are certain qualities in someone that I could overlook. To be a running mate on a presidential ticket, yes, I could overlook qualities. Could I overlook the fact that I thought that the dude molested women? No, I couldn't. I couldn't look past that. Could I look past the fact if I thought someone was a racist? Do I want to be on the ticket with a racist person? You know what? She probably doesn't think he's racist. She probably was just lying about it back then. And it blows my mind that everyone's just okay with that. And the, the particular side of the political spectrum who claims to be against racist and claims to be part of the Me Too movement is just standing idly by and saying, Well, at least it's not Trump. Give me a break. Give me a break. And voting for people because we hate their opponent so much. And this is partly how Trump was elected. Lots of people voted for him because of how much they hated Hillary. And I hope the pendulum does not swing and this does not happen in Biden's case. I don't think it will. I think he's, he, he's going to crumble in the debates if he can make it through it. Uh, look, I really do think he's having cognitive decline. And this is not uncommon for someone who's 78 years old. So people say he stutters. People say he gets confused. Yep, I think he really does get confused. I think he's going down the road that everyone goes down when they get old. And his ability to process information and to think is not what it used to be. Just watch the debate with him and Bernie Sanders the last time they debated. I mean, it is atrocious. It's basically like two old men having an argument with a brick wall. Like there's no rebuttal. There's no cognitive flow. There's no argument. It really, really is quite sad. So, yeah, I think Biden can't hide from that. He's going to have to come out. He's going to have to debate. He's going to get confused. He's going to get lost. And that's it. He's going to be done. I think Trump is going to trounce them. And and really, what's going to be interesting is to see how wild the left goes when I think it happens. You know, I think if Trump loses, there's not going to be riots. Well, there may be riots. There may be looters. But it's going to be the same people that, like, riot and loot when their own sports team wins you know how that happens but yeah i think if riot and looting happens that's who will be behind it okay i think that's gonna do it i'm looking for sponsors i would like to create enough money and sponsors to pay someone to edit this if you have just like a little business or something maybe we could work out a deal like a real small small deal they don't charge much like 15 bucks an episode i think is like the going rate for an editor and if that happens guess what i can do more podcasts i can create more content with because i'll have an editor doing my editing for my creation and i can come on here and i can rant or not if it's not worth it don't do it i'm not a big fan of the whole like shop local because it's local thing like i don't want your pity shopping i don't want your pity purchasing i want you to buy local because it's better not because it's local buy our product because it's better buy our beer because it's better not because it's local it just happens to be local but it is way better thanks again for listening life in paradise podcast coming at you between zero and three times a week from Corpus Christi, Texas. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo.